Today on episode number 533 of the School of Podcasting, we have a cool because of my podcast story. And is podcasting a Ponzi scheme filled with people telling people to quit their day jobs and make six figures? I don't think so. I brought some social proof and I'm going to tell you what I believe and why I believe it. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005. I am your personal podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so very much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, look, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my 20 plus years of helping people understand technology, and I'm going to help you massage your message. I'm going to help you tackle that technology, flatten the learning curve, face your fears, and get you on the road to a successful podcast. Our website is schoolofpodcasting.com. And on September 30th, that is later this week. The School of Podcasting opens on International Podcast Day. If you're like, what the heck is International Podcast Day? We'll go to internationalpodcastday.com. It's a day that we kind of celebrate uh, podcasting's birthday in a way. And we take ways to get interactive with our audience and just spread the word of how cool podcasting is. Our website, again, is schoolofpodcasting.com. And today I'm going to be asking you to kind of chime in on the conversation. So I'm going to say this now, schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact is where you can chime in if you want to call in your comments, things like that. Everything I talk about today, you can find at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 533. But I do love to start off the show with a because of my podcast story. We've said it before, podcasting opens doors to allow you to talk to people who normally wouldn't give you the time of day. The cool thing is, is when those, quote, big people then tell other people about your podcast. Well, today you're going to hear how Rick Sizemore of VRWorkforStudio.com got his podcast basically as a audio business card, and it's helping him get the news out about his company's services. Well, Dave, we're all excited here in Virginia because the NRA is holding their fall conference here in Richmond. Now, hold on. It's not the gun NRA, but the National Rehabilitation Association. We've been working with noted rehabilitation professional Sam Rothrock is going to be at the conference talking about how social media and in particular podcasting is becoming a powerful tool in workforce development and disability employment. Sam asked us where he could get his hands on some data on podcasting, so we were quick to point him to the School of Podcasting episode 452 with all those wonderful stats and the show notes filled with all that data we podcasters love to talk about. So while this is going on, we got a call from Scott Donnell with the Commission on Rehabilitation Counselor Certification, which happens to be the world's largest organization certifying rehabilitation professionals and counselors. We're able to get Scott onto the VR Workforce Studio podcast as a guest alongside our big inspiration showcase with Brian Evans. Brian is a bank executive with the Bank of America and tells the story of his near-death motorcycle accident, his recovery, and returning to work at the bank through assistive technology and voc rehab. Well, this gave Scott the perfect opportunity to reflect on an inspiring and amazing rehab counseling story and to discuss CRCC's launch of their new e-university. While CRCC posted the episode to their website, and it's getting lots of downloads from their membership, many of whom will be at the NRA along with CRCC. 
So because of our podcast, many of the attendees will have heard about the VR Workforce Studio podcast from a major conference exhibitor who will be just across the hall from a presentation where clips from our podcast will be part of a discussion on how podcasting can help people with disabilities, professionals, and employers who are concerned with disability employment and vocational rehabilitation. So through one episode, we've become involved in a major conference with attendees before they arrive, we'll be part of promoting a major exhibitor's products, and we'll support a key presentation. And all of that means podcast buzz and more downloads. So thanks for letting us share our Because of Our Podcast story. Thank you, Rick. And again, you can find Rick over at vrworkforcestudio.com. And before we get into an email here that was sent in to me, I'm going to ask this again. If you can answer that question at all, because of my podcast, blank, and that blank can be anything, go ahead and go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact and send that in. The other thing, I just want to put a seed in your brain. I don't need it just yet. A couple of weeks, I'm going to be asking for these. What is your absolute favorite podcast? Start thinking about that. I'm going to need an answer in, uh, let's see, as you're listening to this on the 26th, in about five to six days, I'll start collecting those uh, answers, and we'll be putting that out as a book, and that'll be the last episode of the year. It's kind of a tradition I do, so start thinking about what is your absolute, I can only have one podcast, yeah, only one What would be your absolute favorite? This podcast is part of the Power of Podcasting Network. Find it at powerofpodcasting.com. Changing the world, one download at a time. So from time to time, I reach out to different members of the podcast community and kind of ask them how things are going. And I got an interesting reply, and I want to talk about it today. And this is a friend of mine, so... Uh, first things first, we're all entitled to our opinion, but what I want to do today is it kind of reminds me of a church. If you go to many churches' websites, they're like, here's what we believe and here's why. So I'm going to kind of take that approach today, but here's the email. It says, uh, I have recently done some calculations and have come to the conclusion that the hour spent podcasting would be better spent doing other things like narrating audiobooks and maybe even some work around the house. I'm doing a weekly video show via Skype, being streamed live to YouTube. We use Wirecast to make it look professional, and I've been releasing the audio as a podcast. I stopped the podcast side this week. Now, for me, if you've already got the content, upload publish doesn't really take any extra time, but okay. It does take more time. Let's let's go with that. It says, I, started, uh, I said when I started podcasting a couple years ago, I would do a serious review at the two-year mark and have concluded that while I learned much, while I've been you know, using that for audiobooks, that stuff I learned, and I'm glad that I did podcasting, uh, to continue would be a waste of time. Here's the part you probably won't agree with. And we have emailed back and forth on this a bit. And first of all, I'm not trying to convince him that he's wrong because he's absolutely allowed to think this. And... As always, I have no idea what's going on in his life. This, this though, did rub me the wrong way. It says, in the 80s, Amway. So right now, when you start saying Amway to me, I think Amway is like sleazy. You know, and even that is, by the way, wrong. I'm sure there's some Amway people going, hey! 
Exactly, right? So Amway came through in the 80s and had a lot of people uh, joined and got hyped up. He says, me included. And after a while, it became clear that a lot of people at the top were making money, but it depended on a constant supply of fresh believers, he says in air quotes, to fuel their incomes. People who started early were making money, but the thousands below were being nickel and dimed and were doing nothing but financing those above. It worked as long as everyone believed they could make it. Podcasting today is similar. It's a similar type of pyramid scheme where everyone who started in 2007 or 2008 are making income off the believers below. Now he says, I find your motives pure and I appreciate that. He says, it is very important for those below the median numbers, around 120 according to Lipson, to believe that there is no discovery problem. That way they keep paying their $20 a month to Lipson, buying books, WordPress plugins, and tools for podcasting and going to conferences. That's an interesting paragraph. Now, uh, no matter how good your content is, the average basement independent podcaster has about zero chance of ever being heard for the first time by hardly anyone who doesn't know them already or are only one or two degrees separated. This is simply due to saturation. So that's his part. I'm going to add to that sentence. If you don't go to where your audience is, make friends and tell them about your podcast. I 100% believe with you. I believe you on that. And I'll give you an example. This past week, I went to a comedy club. I reached out to a comedian that I found funny. I said, you should have a podcast. He goes, I've been thinking about starting one. I'm like, give me a call. He did. He was coming to Cleveland. I gave him a microphone because I don't know if you know this. Comedians don't make jack for, for money. But what did that guy do? He got me into a green room with a whole bunch of other comedians. And I was handing out cards like they were like money. But I had to go. I had to go there. I had to spend $20 for parking. You have to go where your audience is. All right, let's go back to uh, this, this email. The main people who make it now are either already famous, are starting a full-time business that happens to involve podcasting, and has six figures to invest, like John Lee Dumas, or are part of a corporate invasion. Well, I agree with him on this. Are famous already. That definitely helps are starting a full-time business that happens to involve podcasting. I eh, don't know if I agree with that because just because you have a business behind it. Now, if you have six figures to invest, that would help. But just promotion is not going to get you an audience. It'll, it'll get you an audience that finds out that you suck quicker. But I, so I somewhat disagree with that. He says, now there may be an isolated incident, Glenn, the geek, uh, here and there where it happens, but it's so rare. It doesn't bear mentioning that I disagree with. If somebody from nowhere is now making a living, Corey Finneran, with their podcast, who started from nowhere, did a show about the Chicago Cubs, I think that's worth mentioning, and he's coming on the show soon. He says, it's simply too late for the average independent show by a person working a full-time job to make an impact beyond a few niche listeners. Ah, key point here. You're comparing yourself to John Lee Dumas, who does not have a full-time job. I'm just saying his full-time job was promoting a show. And I know this person also has a wife. So it takes promotion. It takes promotion to get your show out there and it has to be good. So, okay. Um, I was also dismayed to find that the same, and he has in quotation marks here, entrepreneurs using many of the same books and the same hype milking 
uh, the same types of people. There's a sucker born every minute. They find them, use them, discard them, and move on uh, since there are always more suckers on the internet. An example, a well-known personality in podcasting who was putting out yet another book solicited all of us to submit articles for it. I hope he's not talking about me for this. Uh, we, of course, had to buy the book to see if we were in it. We weren't, uh, not one of us. Uh, that book had already been written and included older interviews that happened long before he solicited for articles. He simply lied to get us to buy the book. It worked, and we were the suckers. Well, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So that reminds me, maybe in the future, because I'm going to be doing my my favorite podcast is book. Maybe I need to list who's in the book in the future. Uh, so if you're talking about me, you could have just asked, I guess, and I would have said no. Uh, but with my book, if you submit, you're in. There is no process for that. But anyway, I digress. Let's go back to the email. I calculated how many listeners I would have if I gained one new uh, one new listener a month and how many hours I would spend editing and putting out the content I already have from the video show. My conclusion, I hope to retire in three years or so. Uh, so in three years, one listener a month, that would be 36 listeners and over 600 hours of podcast editing during that time. By the way, I'm not getting one new listener a month. What, what, what? That right there to me is a red flag. Warning, warning, warning. If you're not getting one new listener a month, then you're not promoting it or something. It, that, I don't know. Contrast this with the one audiobook I have narrated so far. It didn't sell. Only 11 copies so far. I've made $50 from that. What would happen if I spent those 600 hours over the next three years doing audiobooks that don't sell and get royalties uh, for the next seven years? I think he meant to say do sell. And I get that. He says, allow me to soften this by saying, I've always found you, meaning me, Dave, and your efforts on behalf of the Little Guy podcaster to be the most honest and trustworthy of all. Your humanness and, and, and transparency is wonderful, and I would love to spend time with you in person, but neither of us have the time to devote to it. Um, thank you for all you've done and for what you continue to do for us bottom feeders. Wow. Uh, and he says power to the shrimp. So he's kind of kidding when he says that. And so I emailed him back and he says, uh, I went and looked at his stuff. Cause I'm like, wait, hold on. And I, I emailed him. I said, here's what I would have done if I was you doing this again. He had three shows, I think at least three, and he put them in one feed and in a Netflix world where people want to choose what they want, assuming everybody's going to love everything you do, okay. Now, I understand why you do that, because you save money on hosting. I just wouldn't have done it that way. I'm not, and I'm sure putting out that many episodes, multiple shows, because he basically started a network. That was a ton of work. And when you start out and you're not getting money, that is a strategy for burnout. It's really easy to go, why am I doing this when there's just nothing coming back? So I said, the bottom line, if we boil this down, is the same reason I do podcasting now over playing in a band. I've played in bands my entire life, and I've kind of put that on hiatus until I find really right people who really play good music. But the band in days or, or months of, of work, um, I, if I was lucky, I got 50 bucks for a gig. Uh, if you practice two hours a week for six months to learn enough songs to go out and play, that's 104 hours of practice. 
But wait, each gig that you play, nine to one, is four hours. So if we play every other weekend, because getting booked is not easy, for 10 months, that's 20 gigs. So another 80 hours would be a total between practice and gigging, 184 hours total. So now let's boil this down. 20 gigs at $50 each is $1,000. $1,000 divided by 184 hours is $5.34 an hour. Musicians, there's a reason why they're called starving musicians. If I say I play for free, so the gigging part, the nine to four, don't count that as hours. Um, that would basically bring it up to $9.64 an hour. But I, for me, I'd rather stay home, not put up with drunks, not have to lug my stuff around in the rain and bang up my car and put miles on my car and put up with people going, do you know the electric slide? Mustang Sally. Please play brown-eyed girl. I'm a brown-eyed girl. Can you please play brown-eyed girl? Ugh. So I podcast. It's creative. I get to help people. I'm all about the podcasting these days. So what I wanted to do is this Amway thing really bugged me. And I thought, well, who's out there going, if you just do this? Now, there are people. There are definitely snake oil salesmen out there that want to have you spend $9,000 to get you into new and noteworthy. And so... I went over to my Clamor feed. Clamor is C-L-A-M-M-R. And anytime I find something cool, I clamor it. And so there were a bunch of these. And so, as I said, often churches will say, this is what I think and here's why I think it. So, you know, one of the things I think is that new and noteworthy is highly overrated. And so here's why. And you're going to hear a lot of whooshing here because this came from Clamor, who automatically puts in whooshing. First off, forget about new and noteworthy. It is, yes. not, it is the most overrated part of iTunes and typed by those that don't understand iTunes. Um, but the top 200 lists are important and the search results are most important and they are only influenced by the number of times people click subscribe for your show in either iTunes or the podcast app only. And, and iTunes deliberately put our thanks podcasting on the front page of new and noteworthy. They did it. They handpicked us and stuck us in there for two weeks. And it was, I don't know, a hundred downloads out of the two weeks that we got. So if you do a proper launch, leveraging your own audience outside of iTunes, you will 100% hit new and noteworthy. And it doesn't even matter. I got to tell you, the most amount of downloads you're going to get with new and noteworthy is probably around 200 a day. If you're lucky, if you're lucky and people think it has, it has a better value than it really does. I mean, Porter's podcast was featured on the front page of iTunes. My other, my most recent show was featured up there. Uh, It's called Casey startup 411. It was featured front page. iTunes was worth 300 downloads. Hmm. Per episode, you know, the total amount of downloads for being in new and notable was 32, three, two, not 3,200, not 32,000, not 320,000, but 32 as in. So when I hear someone say, I'm thinking of restarting my podcast because I didn't get into new and noteworthy. That's why I throw up in my mouth just a little bit. Now, some of this thing about snake oil salesmen and people charging and blah, blah, blah. Some people may want to point to John Lee Dumas. But on the latest episode of the podcast industry report, John Lee Dumas 
said my favorite word, and that is value. Listen to what he's talking about. People who are like, I want to make money with my podcast. This is John Lee Dumas himself. Like, okay, just how many people do, do I need to get to before I can start bringing on sponsors? Like that, that, that's not the right question. The right question is like, when can I bring the right products and services in front of my listeners that's going to add value to the podcast is going to increase listenership because it's an overall better show. And even in that interview, John Lee Dumas has turned down sponsorships because he was getting too many and it was ruining the overall value. He talks about that. Go over to the podcastreport.com and check that out. But John's not the only one. I'm not sure if there are a lot of people out there screaming, quit your day job, quit your day job, quit your day job. I'm not hearing it. This is what I'm hearing from multiple people. Don't go into it with the, with the mindset of, okay, I'm going to create a podcast and I'm going to make money from it. Go into the podcast thinking I'm going to provide some incredible value for my listeners. And eventually that's going to result in money. The fourth big mistake I see, and I actually see this one quite a bit. It's just out there a lot, a lot. I see this from the podcaster all the way up to the VPs and CEOs of radio companies. And that is thinking about monetizing before thinking about content. Back to your question about how do I cope with people when they ask me if this makes money? Um, it doesn't make money and that's okay. Yeah. I'm okay with it not making me money. Yes. Um, I, make, I believe that the connections that I'm making with people are far, far more important. If, you, yeah. if your sole reason is because you think it's some sort of like cash machine, like ATM jackpot that you're going to hit because you, you launch with 10 episodes, it's not going to happen. Like, I don't know how much more clearly I can state it. Yeah. So I'll say it again. It's <laughs> not going to happen. I don't recommend anybody starting a podcast to make money. So we're <laughs> yes. clear. Yes. Not to just like, if you don't have a business already and you're like, I want to start a podcast to make money from sponsorships. That mm -hmm. is a hard road. Let's just say, right? Say, I think people who are in podcasting to make money are, are in it for the wrong reason. I think it's possible for you to make money and it may be possible for you to make a living podcasting. However, uh, then uh, you're probably going to be able to monetize at a higher rate than other people. Engadget, for instance, monetized at a higher rate than poetry blogs, even though poetry blogs had more readers. Why? Because Engadget had readers who actually bought things. Hey. I took a dating class and it sucked and I've been listening to your show and I've been applying the stuff and it's awesome. Can I give you a bunch of money and come stay with you for a week? And I was like, I don't know. What are you thinking? And he's like five grand. And I was like, yes, you can. I have plenty of room for you. So he gave me five grand. So that is Jordan Harbinger. When I interviewed him for the school of podcasting that he had delivered so much people that people wanted to give him money. That does happen. I have support this show.com. I don't mention it a whole lot, but if somebody says, Hey, I'd like to donate to your show. Here you go. So when you deliver value, people will eventually, and that's the one guy, the one guy said, you know, how it, eventually it will lead to money. And that's the problem. Eventually is a very, for some people that means three weeks for some people that means three years. But the other thing, since we're kind of kicking this off with a discussion of John Lee Dumas, a lot of people thought if I just do a daily show 
That's what John does. And and John doesn't say, do what I do. He's just like, this is what worked for me. And if you t- listen to John talk about Jimmy, Jimmy is his avatar. John knows his target audience like nobody I've ever heard of. I mean, he can tell you how many hairs are on Jimmy's hand or something. It's ridiculous how he knows his audience. And so one of the things I've heard over and over and over is people who started off thinking John Lee Dumas was a recipe and doing a daily show. And then it sounded something like this. The more episodes you have a week, the more downloads you're going to get, the more rate bit, blah, 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 downloads. You can go to your sponsorships and go for more money. Mm -hmm. And all reality is complete horse. (laughs) So I cut it back to one day a week and my download numbers tripled. Yeah. And I've said, when you deliver value, when people find your show, they will go and download your entire back catalog. I'm not making this up. I had a guy yesterday who said, all right, I've listened to every single minute of your show. Done. I said, wait till a little later today. And so (laughs) I dropped another one. And then he said, all right. He posted a picture on Twitter. He said, all right, I've got this lawn here to mow and I've got your last your latest episode. I'm going to get caught right back up. And he says... I just finished listening to all of your podcast episodes and I can't wait to check out your next episodes. Now I know because Chris has been in contact with he, with me, he literally means the entire catalog of 101 episodes, at least to this point. And before I sign off for today, I want to read this email I got from my friend Robert. Robert writes, love your podcast. Just found it and learned so much. Please keep doing what you do. The last few days, I've listened to over a hundred of your podcast episodes. So I was like, what should I listen to? And she was like, you should listen to this podcast. How did this get made? It's hilarious. You'll really like it. So I started listening to how did this get made? I like listened to the most recent episode. I listened to like two of the most recent episodes. And then I went back to like episode one and that became like all I listened to for weeks at a time when I was driving around. How did this get made? So you listen. Talking about your course, I've been... (laughs) I, I did a marathon listen of your podcast. I drove from Buffalo to Chicago and back again on Monday and Tuesday. Okay. <laughs> and uh, got a lot of podcast listening to. And I think I got back to June or something when you were talking about when you opened up the course. So when people find your show, they will download your back catalog or as much of that as they can get. So we're going to kind of shift to talk about so many people think if I can just get that big guest, If I can just get this piece of gear, this is what's missing from my podcast. And in the end, it's great content multiplied by production. In fact, Jared Easley wrote a book called Stop Chasing Influencers. And we're going to start off with him and then pass it over to Jessica Rhodes, who runs Interview Connections, who does nothing but help people get big guests. And then kind of come and check out my show and stick around. And uh, I was very sadly mistaken uh, with that strategy. So I would say if you're doing a one-on-one interview, you know, go for the interviews that make sense that add value to the audience, but don't necessarily assume that that guest is, it's not their responsibility to grow your network or grow your show. I can't even put it into words. I just think a, like people say like, Oh, how do I get the A-list guests? I'm like, there is an A-list guest and B-list guest and C-list guests. There's guests that are great for your show. And I've met people that say, I know what I want to say. I'm not sure if people are ready to hear it. It might be too over the top or or nobody. Just no, say that. In fact, sometimes it's good to do that, to stand out from the crowd. Maybe nobody's saying what you're saying, but people want to hear it. But they can't hear it if you don't start. So don't try to be everything to everybody. We want to make your brand memorable so the folks that listen to your podcast remember to come back again next time. 
You know, so many people want more downloads, but you got to get people to remember it, not just simply come to to your show. You don't want to get more people in the door listening to your show and stop there. Uh, when you get hate, it means you're doing something right. You're doing something strong and something that is divisive in some way. And divisive is often good. Guess what? You're going to get a new subscriber if your content is good. Get into the content. It's not your intro that's going to get them. Not subs- a new listener is not subscribing because of the first 30 seconds where you described your show. That's not happening. You need to prove to that listener that your stuff doesn't suck. And guess what? Then they'll subscribe. So get to the stuff that doesn't suck. Get there quicker. Maybe there's a fringe 5% or less of listeners who are like, I like this one because the quality is high, but I think most people don't care I cringe a little in our podcasting group when people are like, which noise gate should I buy? Which XYZ thingamajig should I buy? You don't even need it. You don't. Here's the most important thing, and here's the point. Don't let gear or lack of gear stop you from recording. Go for it, Chad. And uh, yeah, good luck. Record stuff. That you don't need a super expensive equipment to start a show. Start small and then slowly build it, you know, build it up and, and buy better equipment and so on later on. But just let the, to me, content is important, man. Content and just community that, that that's what's going to help your show. The good, the quick and the cheap. Ooh, but there's a catch. You get to pick two. If you pick good and quick, it's not going to be cheap. If you pick good and cheap, it's not going to be quick. If you pick quick and cheap, it's not going to be good. This applies in almost every single scenario podcasters in the world have probably heard of Anthony Robbins. Mm -hmm. He has a great quote. He said, we have a culture now that is drowning in information. And I'm paraphrasing. This may not be exactly right. We're drowning in information and starving for wisdom. And you're remembered when you're hated. You're, you stand out when you're loved, but you fade into the background when you're that plain vanilla. Nobody cares. When you're trying to avoid upsetting anyone, nobody cares. Yeah, he's nice. He's a nice guy. He's got a nice personality. Yeah, I got. I have a couple things that I took away that I took away from the weekend. Okay, don't be boring. But nobody listens to podcasts that suck. Money grab podcasts that suck. Nobody listens to. Passion projects that suck. Nobody listens to. Okay. Being edgy in any way will be inherently alienating to some people. That is, in fact, the entire point. We like consuming things that we know other people aren't going to like. We get a charge out of that. We derive a sense of community from that. It's how we establish our in-group, our our common affinity, which other people just don't share. That's how we come together around something. Things that feel like they're made for everyone end up feeling like they've been made for no one. Uh, when I first got the job that I have, uh, there was a director of our organization and she said, don't let perfect get in the way of good enough. And that's my buddy, Ray Ortega from the podcaster studio. And don't let perfect get in the way of good enough. So people get hung up on, I can't start yet because I don't have the right noise gate. I don't have 37 episodes in the can. Uh, I'm not sure if people want to hear this or not. I want to make sure that everybody likes my, not everybody's going to like your show and that's okay because the people that do love your show are going to be like, oh my God, I can't believe this guy made this show for me. And they're going to download your back catalog. We've already hit that one. The other thing is when you first start out, 
and you're brand new, I say, figure out who your audience is, go out there and greet them because whether you like it or not, you're the leader. You're the person behind the microphone. And when you reach out to your audience, it's a big deal. Case in point. I remember the first time I had an email read on a podcast and I was so excited. I played it for my wife. I played it for my kids. Like you don't realize the impact that you have. I don't remember the first time that, that I put out, like I put out the, uh, an email to a podcaster and it showed up on their show. And, you know, it was really kind of before I think maybe I even started podcasting and I was, it was amazing to me. And when you know your audience and you deliver value, you have the potential to change their world. I realize that as a doctor, I change people's lives, but you don't realize that you change people's lives too. Your podcasts are fun, entertaining. Notice what word she used first. Fun, entertaining, educational, informational, and unique. That's how you change people's lives. We forget that people are listening and that the things we're saying, somebody may be having the worst day in the world and we just made their day. And we just made their day. And folks, again, it's not all about the Benjamins. Now, I want to clarify something. I realized earlier I said some people point at John Lee Dumas and then later I used the phrase snake oil salesman. I'm not saying at all that John Lee Dumas is a snake oil salesman. I'm saying snake oil salesmen love to point at John Lee Dumas, who is the poster child of, yes, you can make money with a podcast and say, I will show you how to do that for, you know, on sale for $9,000. That's the people I'm talking about. But also pointing at John and saying, yes, you can make money with a podcast in the same way. There are many people that pointed at the Beatles and said, yes, you can make money in music. It's just not everyone with a guitar and long hair is the Beatles. And I don't believe there's a discovery problem. There wasn't a discovery problem with the Serial podcast. And here's somebody that you may not have heard of. You ever heard of Liz Covert? Ever heard of Ben Franklin's world? We're talking about American American history. You know, that thing that you slept through in high school? Yeah, she has over 1 million downloads. And you're like, well, great. She's probably been doing it forever. She has 100 episodes. Not 200, not 500, not 600, by the way, for uh, Godfrey from Gamertag Radio, better known as Danny Pena. Congratulations on that. No, she's done it in less than 100 downloads. And oh, by the way, I don't believe she has a team. I could be wrong. I think it's uh, Liz is like me. She's got a team of one. Now, I agree there are a ton of podcasts coming out each week. But when a horse race starts, there are a ton of horses coming out of that gate and somebody is going to win. And so if you truly believe that you can just start a podcast and quit your day job. If you just put out enough episodes, we've proven that that's not it. You got to have value. So here is, as I start to wrap this up, here's what I feel the recipe of a successful podcast is. Number one, you have to know who your audience is and what they want. Why? Because if you want them to give you some sort of value back, you have to give them value in the first place. Then if you can give it to them on a consistent basis so that now you become part of their routine. Number three, this is a verb. Go, go to where they are, whether that's an online forum, Facebook group, but if you can do it face-to-face, that is even better. But the big, you're going to have to get out from behind the microphone probably and get out there and get to know your audience. And then when you get there, make friends with them. Do not skip that step and then tell them about your podcast. Now, Our emailer also said, it's simply too late for the average independent uh, show that's working a full-time job to make an impact. Now, there's one of those words again, 
Impact means many things to many people. And if your whole goal is to quit your day job, not everybody's going to do that. I mean, there are different reports that say anywhere from 80 to 90% of businesses don't make it. Others say 33%, but not everybody's going to make it. And when you're talking about quitting your day job to make a living with your podcast, Corey Finneran, who will be on the show uh, soon. Yeah, there's nobody. There's a nobody. He did a show about the Chicago Cubs. He quit his day job to do podcasting. So he will be on the show. It can happen, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen for everyone. I'm sorry, but some of us have ugly babies. It's just not going to. And, and for the record, I know a lot of really, really talented musicians that just didn't get the lucky break. There's part of that in there too. But the bottom line is, are you having fun doing it? And if you're not, and if you're like, look, I got other things I'd rather do, by all means, I completely understand his point. There are other things I might be doing that I might get a better return on investment for. That's fine, but that doesn't mean that podcasting is a scam. It doesn't mean that it's a Ponzi scheme. That's the part that I'm like, mm. So I do want to thank a giant list of people here. Hall of Fame podcaster Godfrey, from some of us know him as Danny Pena, from Gamertag Radio. And again, dude, congratulations on episode number 600. Jessica Rhodes from interviewconnections.com. Harry from podcastjunkies.com. Daniel J. Lewis, the Daniel J. Lewis from the audacity to podcast.com. Ray Ortega from the Podcaster Studio. Uh, now, his clip, one of them was courtesy of uh, Chris Curran's uh, Podcast Engineering School. Eric K. Johnson from Podcast Talent Coach, Paul Culligan from Podcast Industry Report over at podcastreport.com, John Lee Dumas, the one and only from eofire.com, Glenn the Geek Hebert from Horse Radio Network, um, Brian from ProfitCast Universe, um, Adam Ragusa from the Pub Podcast, Jordan Harbinger from The Art of Charm, uh, although technically the clip I pulled from was him on my show, um, Dan Benjamin from the 5x5 Network uh, from the show Podcast Method, um, a couple clips from the Wolf Den podcast, courtesy of Earwolf, Eric Fisher from Beyond the To-Do List, and I believe that was actually courtesy of podcastjunkies.com, Mark from Late Night Internet Marketing.com, Rob Walsh from The Feed Podcast and Today in iOS, Elsie Escobar from also The Feed and ShePodcast.com, uh, Jessica Kufferman from ShePodcast.com, Michael Sharkey from The Talent Show, um, and you can find him at zensharkmedia.com. In fact, I'm going to let Mark have the last word here in a minute. And of course, uh, Nick Suberling from spnt.tv. So, and I'll put a link to my clamor feed out at uh, schoolofpodcasting.com slash 532. Now, I said how there are so many, think about just restaurants. Think about how many restaurants open up every year and then many of them close their door. And so I say this because the person who should start a podcast is the person who really wants to start a podcast because when you do start out, you will have very few listeners. And that's where, if this is your attitude, speaking of Jessica Kufferman, this is when you need to jump into the pool. And I've got another great closing thought here, but first of all, let's get to Jessica. If this is you, you need to start a podcast and the school of podcasting opens up on September 30th, go over to schoolofpodcasting.com slash newsletter and sign up for some coupons. But here's Jessica from ShePodcast.com. Because if you're not sure, you're not going to do it. You're just not going to do it. Mm. So just stop thinking about it now. Let it leave your head. If it can't leave your head and you just can't stop thinking about it, then you need to start. Then you're a podcaster. Then it's inevitable. Join us. Welcome to the dark side. 
So you've heard a lot of different people in this episode. I'm going to play one more. This is from Ice-T from the Final Level podcast, and he's talking about other people's experience. Check this out. Yeah, well, you learn from experiences, man. You know, like I always say, dumb people learn from experience. Smart people learn from other people's experiences. You know, let them take the hard licks. And so when I looked at this person's podcast, like I said, they had all their shows under the name of their network. So if I was looking for the biggest loser, if I was looking for the blacklist exposed, if I was looking for, I would have to go into iTunes and search for NBC. If I actually typed in the blacklist, it wouldn't show up because I had to type in NBC. I think that was a bad strategy. And I also don't think that every, not everybody who likes the biggest loser is going to like the blacklist. So having them all on one feed was not good because I went to Google and I searched for your podcast name and it didn't come up. I think that was it. I also think starting with three episodes is insane. Uh, Glenn Hebert started a network with one show and I got this uh, message from Glenn. He says, Dave, I just listened to last week's episode of the School of Podcasting. He says, the letter about new and noteworthy and giving up after eight weeks. This is somebody who said, I'm going to throw in a towel. I didn't make new and noteworthy. He says, but they were going to give up after eight weeks made me so sad and mad at the same time. I went back to my really old back in the day spreadsheets from our first show eight years ago. We had 12 listeners after three months, 67 after six months. So he picked up, Ooh, I got to do math live 50, uh, five listeners in six months. So he's, you know, okay. Uh, so 67 after six months, 123 after one year. Let's do that again. We had 12 listeners after three months, three months, 67 after six months on 123 after one year. Next week, Glenn has put in a lot of hours. He has stuck to it and he is focused not on new and noteworthy. He is focused on his audience and interacting with them and building a community and really, really understanding what they want. Next week, he's got a whole network now of episodes. We're going to hit our 5,000th, that's a fun word to say, 5,000th episode. He says, now, what did it take to get here? Easy. Hard work, capital letters, and persistence. We have never missed an episode in 5,000 episodes. And that was very hard at times. Like anything we do in life, podcasting is not easy. It's hard work and persistence. Our success has come from a ton of man hours every single week, but we are willing to do the work so we can eat and have the most fun job ever. Whoever is out there preaching that you can just put out a show and the masses will come and listen is wrong. It's like any other business. It takes dedication and constant effort. And he says, okay, I'm done. But here's the thing. Think about this. I can't remember what podcast I was listening to. And they said this and I'm like, that is so true. Everything is hard until it's not. Everything is hard until it's not. Tying your shoes was hard until it wasn't. Shooting a basketball was hard until it wasn't. When I first started playing the guitar, 
you get dents in your fingers, literally dents in your fingertips because you have to push so hard and you don't have calluses and it hurts. But if you keep pushing on, you get there. So anything you do is going to be hard until it's not. And there are always going to be new things in life. And, you know, you never know what you're going to run into. There might be new things up, up, and it all of a sudden it might get hard again. You know, uh, I lost weight when I was in my 20s. I did the exact same thing when I was in my 40s, and it didn't work anymore because I'd lost all this muscle and all this other stuff. And so just keep that in mind. Keep going. And I want to reach out to my audience here and say, look, if you are, and I hate this phrase, independent podcaster, and I guess I get it. You don't have a team of 18 behind you. But if you're an independent podcaster and you are able to give a reason why you podcast, maybe you're not making a living yet. You know, again, I say, if you can answer the question because of my podcast, answer that question, email me, Dave at School of Podcasting. Go to, um, because, here's, just do this, go to becauseofmypodcast.com slash contact. And you can speak pipe it there, meaning you click on a little button and if your microphone's plugged in, you can just talk into it there. You can upload a pre-recorded uh, file if you've already done it. If you want to email it to me, it's there because of my podcast.com slash contact. And I would love to hear from you because I think we're going to hear more of these because there have been people out there who have been saying, all you have to do is blank, right? Here's the recipe, follow the recipe and your life will be easy and you'll be able to make tons of cash, buy your Corvette, run off into the sunset, lots of women, lots of men, lots of booze, sunsets 24 hours a day, there have been people that have been doing that. So I just want to let you guys know that because you're here today and we want to offer you something that we normally sell for... We're selling it for $8,990. We have a 12-week course that teaches you how to launch a podcast, do so successfully, how to leverage that, and really make money from your podcast. We're actually giving you guys a special today, so we're selling it for $3,990. I also, I, I agree and I disagree to a certain extent with that it's hard work. Because I know I do a lot of hard work in this chair that I'm doing right now. It doesn't seem like it because it's something that I love. But I know what I know what Glenn is saying. It is a lot of hard work. It's it's giving up television. It's giving up going to the movies that I used to do all the time. It's there there are sacrifices because I'm spending that time doing other things that hopefully will grow my audience. But when I heard he wasn't getting one listener a month. That's a red flag. That's when you need to get your audience. Go make yourself a focus group and say, look, I want you to listen to this episode and I want you to talk about it like I'm not in the room. And then just let them go and listen and then be open to feedback. So, but that's why I believe what I believe. Now, what I do believe is I'm really, really excited I got to play one more clip here. What I do, what I, I was getting ready to roll us out the door. I'm going to let uh, my buddy, Michael Sharkey have the last word on this. You know, forget 25 years in radio. I'm a new podcaster. There's something really friggin' amazing when you find your show on iTunes. 
And I know there's a quarter of a million shows and everybody's like, yeah, whatever, it's iTunes, it's Stitcher. I'm sorry. That feels really, really, really cool. But if you're willing to do the work every single week, the dividends pay off. They can't help but pay off. So I guess one final thing, whether you're a podcaster or a starting morning show, it is a marathon and not a sprint. Not a sprint. And now I'm really, really excited. You know why? Because September 30th is a couple really cool things. Number one, the School of Podcasting is opening its doors. And you talk about putting in a lot of long hours. Holy cow. I've been uh, putting a whole new coat of paint on the thing, making new courses. There's a course now on Evernote. There's a course on uh, Patreon, all sorts of fun stuff. Looking forward to it. If you go over to schoolofpodcasting.com slash newsletter, there will be coupons. And of course, there'll be coupons here, but there'll be extra double special chocolate covered coupons for the newsletter folks. So I do appreciate that. And if you're like, what is International Podcasting Day? And I keep saying International Podcasting Day. It's International Podcast Day. Silly Dave, get it straight. I'm on the team over there. You think I'd be able to say it right. International Podcast Day. And if you go over there, there is a gratitude award. And as you listen to this, there's only a few days for this. But hey, you can make miracles happen, right? Go over there. There's a gratitude award where you can register. And what they're looking for is the a podcast that has these widest number of international reviews. And that might be you. So go over internationalpodcastday.com. All sorts of ways. Get involved with your audience. Do something. I know at Libsyn where I work, they, we are doing all day seminars. I'm going to actually be in Pittsburgh. Oh, speaking of that, I should have said this at the beginning of the show. Uh, this Thursday coming up, that is the 29th. Um, I'm going to be in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, because I'll be hanging out in the Libsyn office that day or that evening. And, um, well, I'm actually working in at Libsyn on Thursday and Friday. And, um, if you're bored in Pittsburgh Thursday night, uh, I need a dinner date and uh, would love to spend it with you. So if you're somewhere in the region, reach out and um, that would be great. So I always like to do that. I know it's short notice, but if you're in that area, let me know. That'd be great. And uh, so Libsyn is doing a whole day of seminars, one of which I'm doing one on growing your audience. So if you're interested in that, and I'll put links to that out in the show notes at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 532. And uh, happy International Podcast Day, everybody. Go out and talk to your friends about it. And, uh, you know, we're going to grow that number from only X amount of people have heard of a podcast each year that's gone up every year. It's gone up and it's going to continue to grow and continue to provide more opportunities. And, uh, I'm just, I'm super stoked. It's like Christmas for me. The fact that next week I'm going to start teaching again on to, to many, many people, as opposed to telling people, wait, wait, wait. So I'm really super excited about that. So with that, Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. That's why I believe what I believe. And if you have any comments on that, I'm open. If you don't believe what I believe, I would love to hear. I would love to have a dialogue with you. I really would. So uh, schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact. I think that's my 17th call to action now. And um, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you again real soon. Take care. God bless. Class is dismissed. I just wanted to, again, 
One of the things that this person emailed me for was he said, thanks for your open-minded approach to my analysis. And I hope that came across here that here this person has a full-time job and a family. He looked at some of the things he was doing and said, this I don't think gives me as much return as some of the other things. It has more potential. Other things might have more potential. Now, the only thing that I thought of was, hey, I don't think it's a Ponzi scheme and I don't think there's a discovery problem. And you know what? If you think about it from his standpoint, I can see why he would think that maybe. So I'm not here to to bash anybody and we're all allowed to have differences of opinion. It's called dialoguing. And I just want to make sure I point that out here. My goal here was not to just go, oh, look at what he said. And I was like, no. Again, remember, there's always two different sides to his story. So I hope that came across in this week's episode. I'm always looking for other viewpoints and to see why, really. And I get why now that I think about it and I see how he did some things. I'm like, yep, I can see why you would come to that conclusion. And I knew I was going to do this to people, Jared Easley from Starve the Doubts, and of course get his book, Quit Chasing Influencers, and George Robb from the Geologic Podcast. Thanks, guys. (laughs) 